Okay. Um, fine. Uh, last, I mean, two weeks ago, Hanukkah time, we spoke about about nittel, and we spoke about the two different nittels, December twenty fifth and the eve of January seventh. It turns out that there's really a third nittel that we missed discussing. Um, uh, whatever, like a shtigel off the beaten track nittel we missed discussing. In addition, there's one extra minig of nittel that I that I was hoping to get to last time we spoke that I didn't get to. That I, we're going to get to now in a, in a shtickle more roundabout way. So I'll just, let me just put it out there what that minig is. There's a, a book called, it has many different names, but all the names are something to the effect of, of Sefer told us Yeshu, Sefer told us Yeshu Hanitri, Sefer told us Yeshu Hanitl, Sefer told us Hanitl. It's got many names throughout history, but it's basically, it's a book that purports to be the Jewish rabbinic perspective to the story of Yeshu, to the story of how. Yeshu founded his own religion. And there was a minig back in the day to read that sefer, to learn that sefer on the night of Nittal. And that's a minig that I thought was interesting that I want to get to. But let's, uh, we're going to take the scenic route to, to, to get the sefer told this Yeshu. So I just want to start as follows. There's a, I'm sure some people are familiar, there's a sefer called um, Megillus Tainus. The, the Gemara Masechtas Tainus, a lot of it is based on the Megillus Tainus. It's something that was written in the Tkuf of the Tanam and Amiram. It's in Aramaic. It's 12 prakim long. And in it, what it charts out is all the quasi yamim toivim that existed throughout Klaizel's history. And it starts with, These are the days that no one should be fasting on. And it goes through many different, like, semi personal yamim toivim that turned into Klaizel's yamtif, and therefore you don't fast in those days. And the Gemara in Tainus is replete with references from the Megillus Tainus. Kasha is back and forth. It's a brysa, let's call it. I don't, it's not a mshnai, it's a brysa. Now, what's less famous is that there's a second Megillus Tainus that's in Hebrew, in like Lashon Kodesh, written like the way the Mishnayis are written, written like in, in regular Lashon Kodesh kind of, like the Mishnayis are written. It's only one <coughs> parak long, and in most of the editions of the Aramaic Megillus Tainus, it's not there. It's a separate sefer. But today they publish them together, a Megillus Tainus with 13 prakim. And what really what it is, is it's a... Uh, it's, it's the 12 prakim of Megillus Tainus, the Bryce in Aramaic, together with the one parak in the end of the Megillus Tainus in Lashon Kodesh. But now there's a fundamental difference between the Megillus Tainus in Aramaic, that's the 12 prakim that's quoted in the, in, in the Gemara, and the Megillus Tainus in Lashon Kodesh that's attached to the end of it. The, they're exact opposites. The Megillus Tainus in Aramaic is Bahadein Yoimim Deloyle Hesanus Bahayim. It's days of personal Yom Tevim, days of Klaisos Yom Tevim, where it would be improper to have a fast day on the day that's a Yom Tev the Megillus Tainus Hasheni call it, the one in Lashon Kodesh, that one is Be'elu Yamim Misanim. On these days we fast. It says, the crowd starts with Be'elu Yamim Misanim Midivri Torah. These days we fast Midi Raisa. Now it isn't the Raisa, they're all the Rabbanon Dika fasts. And the Mepharshim will say that it's written that way to give it a certain Chaymer. You shouldn't think that these are, you know, minor fasts that aren't important. These are fasts that a person should adhere to. So now, it's time, it's interesting to see. If you look at the end of Megillus Tainus, in the, in the end of Parakid Beis, it, it lists off all the Tainus, Tenesim, and then it makes this transition from Aramaic to Hebrew, and it says, <laughs> When Tsaris were very rare, and life was good, and Klaiso was living in Eretz and they had it good. But Biyamenu, that Tsaris are so common, and we're getting kicked around and bounced around, not only should we fast on the days that it says not to fast here, we should be fasting on all sorts of extra days. And that's how it ends. And then it segues straight into Parakid Gimel, which is, 
So the Mufarshim will, will speak out that really the, the, uh, the additional piece at the end of Parakid Beis is really belongs to the to Parakid Gimel. It belongs to the other Mesechdas Tainus, uh, you know, Megillus Tainus, which was written almost as like a response, like an overlay on the existing Megillus Tainus in Aramaic that says also today is not the fast, came along later Chachamim and said that was great when things were good. Now things are in a bad matzav, and of course there should be fast days. And it's written like as a separate, like, like almost like a response to Megillus Tainus in Aramaic. So now, so, so why are we talking about Megillus Tainus? So in Megillus Tainus in Parakir Gimel, it, it just stam, just so, so they'll know, in, in, in Shulch, this Megillus Tainus Hashemi, the second piece of it, of Bahadein Yemen, that Be'eliyam, that a person should fast, actually makes it to Shulchan Aruch, straight up. Lifted almost completely. The Shulchan Aruch, it's in Tav Kuf Pei, the Tor brings down this din, he brings down Mamash the Lashen, Be'elu Yamim Misanen Midivri Teira, and Farshim already, Safanart, it's not really the Teira, he brings it down, the whole list, the Shulchan Aruch, the Machaber copies it, Mishnah Bura writes it, meaning this is as a, this is Gepaskin Pladina, this is not some obscure Favar from a Mishnah that never made it, it's actually brought down in Shulchan Aruch, the Simon in Shulchan Aruch. Now, in there, there, there's three, three Tanesim that are relevant to us right now. The, the, the Megillus Tainis, it reads as follows, it says, on Ches, three, it says three days in Teves, a person should fast. Ches, Tes, and Yud. Today is Ches, I believe. Tomorrow is Tes, and Tuesday is Asar B'Teves. So Asar B'Teves, we take a, we take a keep, Gansklaus, who keeps Asar B'Teves. That's one of the, the Rabbanim Dika fasts that everyone keeps. But in the Megillus Tainus, it says that Ches and Tes of Teves are also fast days. And Heyois, the Megillus Tainus notes, Heyois, it's three days in a row, which is difficult. This is called the Tainas at Tzadikim. Like, people on high levels should fast this, this set of Tainasim, these three Tainasim. Now, the Megillus Tainas also gives reasons. So it says in the Megillus Tainas, Chespetavis is as follows. Why do we fast in Chespetavis? The Megillus Tainas references what is to us uh, Gemara and Megillah on Daftas. The, the, the Gemara tells us the story of Talmai, the, the Egyptian king. It says Talmai was a, was a Greek-Egyptian king who was very educated and had a big knowledge of philosophy, etc., and at a certain point, he said, I'd like to also know the Torah. I don't want to just know philosophy, I want to know the Torah too. And he gathered together 72 of the greatest Chachamim, and he put them in independent houses so that they couldn't talk to each other, so that he'd be sure that they're translating it accurately and they're not lying to him. Like this, they have no communication. He made 72 booths and put them in there. And uh, the Gemara Megillah says that a tremendous nest took place, that there were, I think it's 10 Shinuyim that they, that they made to the Torah when they translated it, 10 things that they felt that, that, that Talmud HaMelech would not be able to understand that they changed. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it so that all 72 Chachamim, without talking to each other, changed the exact same 10 things. That's what the Gemara Megillah says. So the Gemara Megillah portrays it almost like a Kiddush Hashem, almost like a, an amazing story of, of survival, that, that, that we were challenged to translate the Torah into Yavanis, into Greek, and 72 Chachamim independently had to translate it, and still somehow they managed to all translate it the same, which is an amazing story of survival. But now, on this... Says the Megillus Tainus, the Gemara really says in the Megillah too, that on this day, a great darkness came down to the world. The day that the Torah left being the Nachlas of Klai Yisrael, and it became something that was available to everybody, that everyone could read it in their own language, a great darkness came down to the world. And because of that, Ches is, is a very important fast day for us to remember and to you know, commemorate the sadness, the Cheshech that was Yard La'ilam. Uh, the Torah became less personal to us. It became something less that's only ours, and it became something that's available to everyone, and that leads to a great shikhas Incidentally, I'll just, the, the Rav showed me on Shabbos that the Chesam Seifer, in Drush's Chesam Seifer, spends an, an, a crazy amount of time on Ches Teves. 
the Yamtav of Chasteves, not the Yamtav, the kindness of Chasteves became a very, very central theme in the Chsam Sefer's Hashkafa. Because Chsam Sefer held that a big chilek of why Haskalah came and why, you know, the, the whole like, breakdown of traditional orthodoxy was because there's a Sheikh Chasateir. People don't connect to the Torah as well. They're not really getting what the Torah is supposed to give you. And because of that, it starts breaking down. So Chasteves was the day that Chsam Sefer almost every time gave a grace Drasha about the Sheikh Chasateir, the breakdown of Torah. So there's probably, I don't know, like 35 editions of his Chasteves Drasha that he gave. He used to give a spade among Gedalim on that day. Chasteves was a greater, a greater day in, in, the, in the world of the Chasm Sefer Eden. Now, continues the Megillus Tainus, and Megillus Tainus says, Tespeteves, Leines Galu Taimai. This is Tainus. Tespeteves, Leines Galu Taimai. It wasn't revealed to us what the reason for the fast in Tespeteves is. And then it continues, and it says, Asar Beteves, that's the mothership. That's the day that the, the walls to Yerushalayim were breached by the, by the conquerors. And from there is really, if we look at it, it could be the, the kernel of the whole Gullus, meaning when the walls are breached is when the Gullus begins to, to happen. So Yud Betavis is really the ultimate fast. It's even more important than Tisha in a certain way, because it's HaKal HaLechachar, you know, after the, after the Askala. That was when the, the, the breakdown started. Now, so we have this, test, this fast of Tes Betavis, wedged in the middle between Ches and Yod, that the Megillus Tainus itself says, uh, we don't know the reason for it. So now, many, many Mepharshim have stepped in to try to figure out what the Tam that's Lainus Galu, what was missing over here. So I'll just give you a sampling of them. For example, the Taisus Yishanim says that the, the Tam is, it's the day that Ezra and Nehemiah were Nifter. Ezra and Nehemiah were the ones who built the Beis HaMikdash Hashani, the Yushalayim Hashani, they came back after the Golis bubble and they built it on the day of of Tespeteves, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah died. Now, many others ask that it isn't true. It's not the day that Ezra and Nehemiah died. We have other riots that Ezra and Nehemiah died on, on Asar Betavis. It's one of the reasons for Asar Betavis is Ezra and Nehemiah's death. They didn't die in Tespeteves. So some place can say, the Marshal Taz seems to hold like this, that Hayoi's Tespeteves was already taken. It was already an important fast, meaning something big happened in Tespeteves already. We didn't want to dilute the value of talking about Ezra's death and Nehemiah's death by just lumping it in together with the existing fast of, tes- of, of, of Yud Betavis. So we made it on Tes Betavis to make it independent. There's also the death of Ezra Nehemiah. That other, other Akharinim retort, we have a klal, we're not makdim Peronius. We're never makdim Peronius. You never make a remembrance of something bad that happened early. You never makdim Peronius. This is Akdumi Peronius. We don't do that. So that can't be the reason. So others say, and this is Grace Chiddush, other Mepharshim say that that uh, in the back of the Gemara there's something called Mavaya Talmud from Shmuel Hanagid. I don't know if anyone's ever looked at it. In the back of the Gemara there's something called Mavaya Talmud from Shmuel Hanagid. Shmuel Hanagid was a, a, a Svaradic Rishon, early, early Rishon, 900s, like, a, you know, early, early Rishon. He was the visor to the king of Granada. He was a very, very powerful person. He was very rich. He was very powerful. He was like that, you know, that Dmus of like the court Jew, the, the ultimate Dmus of the court Jew, the, the one who was very powerful. He had a son of Yosef Hanagid who inherited his stellar, but unfortunately not all of his charisma. And things broke down, and people became jealous, and it led, it led to a grace of fight within the court of the king, and ultimately he gets killed, and all the Jews of Granada get chased out. And the day that, that Yosef Hanagid, the son of Rishul Hanagid, gets killed, and the breakdown of the Granada, you know, of Granadian Judaism starts, is Tespeteves. So there are those who say that Chazal, the Ruach Kachem, saw that a thousand years later, there was going to be a grace at Tzara that would happen in Granada when Yosef Hanagud would be kicked out. And because of that, they made the Tainus of Tespeteves already a thousand years earlier. 
it's a chiddush to, 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 you know, in Mekriyatim Dei Pshutei. It's a chiddush to say that they made a fast day for Klai Yisrael that was all based on something that was going to happen a thousand years later. Mestamah, there has to be something that happened now already. And you could also, you know, maybe, I'm not denying that, that there could be, that they meant to include the tzara of Rabbi Yisrael Anagid dying on Tespeteves, but that should be the entire story of Tespeteves is to me a grace of chiddush. Like, that, that should be the, the reason for the fast of Tespeteves. So, so there's... Two other reasons, and now we'll, we'll circle back to how this has to do with, with Televisation Anaitsri and the, new net, the, the third nittel. There's two other reasons that are given by some of the Paiskim. One of them is that we know nittel is the day of, of Yeshua's birthday, the day of Yashka's birthday. Now, we celebrate Yashka's birthday, strange, strangely, in Judaism we sell it, we celebrate it, we, we, we don't celebrate it, we don't learn, we deal with it in a secular <coughs> manner. Because the day that we attach to it is December 25th to January 7th which is a secular date. Now, all our dates are Hebrew. We have, you know, our own months with our own dates. We have a lunar calendar. We don't do dates with the secular calendar. There's a grace of Shailah in the Paiskim if it's even allowed to date your, your starist with Goyesha dates. So it's very bizarre that the, the remembrance of Nittal that, that is built into our, our, our halachas is going with the English date. So there are those who say that it's on purpose. In order to... Fashem Yeshu, and to say, you're not one of us, you're not a Yid, you're not one of us, we don't respect your Yiddish Yardzeit, we give you a Yardzeit like a guy. You're going to have a Yardzeit like a guy the 25th of December. But now, says early, many, many early, you know, Kadmonim say, that if you make the calendar Cheshbin, the day that December 25th, and it would only be December 25th, and there was no January 7th yet, we spoke about that already, the day that December 25th fell out, uh, call it, depending on how you want to date it, 2,000-ish years ago was Tes Teves. And, and Mamela, the fast of Tes Teves was to, you know, we're sad that on that day, the schism, the break with Yeshu, you know, came into Klai Yisrael and all the damage and the tsarist that came from that. And to remember that, we have a fast on Tes Teves. Now, now um, so, so the problem with this is that the dating becomes a problem. Meaning, it has to match the year, Taka. There has to be a year that we could all agree upon that it was that year that was Testeves and that was the day that, that Yeshua Anaitri died. Now, so, so that's a big problem. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Let me just leave that aside. And, well, was born. I'm sorry, was born. Um, depends who you ask. Yeah, we have a tainus on the day he died? No, a tainus on the day he died because if the, 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 the Christian story, the theme is that the day he died... He didn't really die. That's when he became Mashiach. The second coming, the Mashiach, they believe that Yeshu came and was the Mashiach already and said all his nevuas that Klaus was not the nation anymore and now it's them. That has to do with his death, not really his birth. His birth, he was just a baby somewhere. Big deal. His death is when the whole chain of motion, you know, of, of the religion starts. Now, I, that, it, it's... <coughs> that's the problem. We, the Christians certainly celebrate the 25th of his birth. There are some, you know, Kadmain would say that they have it wrong and it's really his death. It's not his birth. Now you have to keep in mind that the Christian's knowledge of when exactly he died and lived is by far no better than ours. Meaning, they don't, they also are, they're not also, they're mostly, primarily, making up, fitting things in, making narratives, creating a story. It's not set in stone. Just because they celebrate it as his birthday does not at all mean that that's his birthday. It's totally open that it could have been the day he died or none of the above, or neither. So, B'chalaifin, some early Mepharshim say that it was the day that he, was bo- the day that he died and therefore we, said, we, we talk about it. Now, I'll tell you about that has to do with Telesiation. One second. Now, there's a second, even more like, uh, out there 
idea that also, and this, this directly comes from the Sefer Talbot's nation. There is no other source for it, for this whole story, other than the Sefer Talbot's nation. I'll tell you as follows. The, the, the Christians, they still believe this. This is in their, in their gospel, their books, the late, you know, whatever they quote, whatever they have, that Yashka had his apostles, right? He had his 13 Talmidim who were with him, who were his Talmidim. Now, of his Talmidim, the most famous ones are Peter and Paul. Now, Peter becomes the first pope. Peter is the first pope. He goes to Rome. He's the first pope. The, the church in the Vatican is called St. Peter's Basilica. It's his church. Peter's the, the, the pope. Now, in the Sefer Hanaitri, there's a story as follows. We're at the end of it. You know, let's do this the right way. Let me, let me read a little bit from the Sefer Hanaitri. We'll get. Let's leave this last reason for a minute. We'll, we'll circle back. But let's leave this last reason. That's, the, that's what we need. I'll just read you. Stop just so... Stam, just, uh, what do you say? No. The, the Sefer Talisei Anitri is, is um, a book that has, I think today it's been, it's been chronicled to have 43 editions. So it's very much something that's passed down, you know, not in an organized way. There's 43 editions. that in 2009, not too long ago, Princeton University had a conference to figure out the origins of the Sefer Talisei Anitri. They gathered together every like, professor and scholar, many of them Goyim, who are working on Sefer Teldes Yeshua Naitri in various versions, to gather them together in one space where they could give drushes to each other and figure out exactly where the book comes from and how it came. And after the conference, the heads of the conference published the book. It's like 400 pages long. I saw I downloaded it. I did not read all of it, but I looked through it. And the consensus over there was that they don't know where it came from. And just that it's very old, just meaning that we have the earliest editions of it are like from 1,700 years ago, like a very, very long time ago. It was originally written in Aramaic. It's very old, it exists. Who exactly wrote it and who exactly gave it over and how all the editions came to be, that's a, a matter of gr- very, very gray, uh, gray area. Now there is, for some reason, so that's a machlekes too. It seems for the most part, so there's the Igeris of Yechonim and Zakai. Oh, he, he has Google out already. <laughs> I see the phone in the hand. <laughs> there is an Igeris of Yechonim and Zakai and there are some who hold, you know, okay, we'll get to Igeris of Yechonim and Zakai also. Which is not as fascinating, yeah. There are some who say it's Rechel Menzakai, others say it's not Rechel Menzakai. Let's just, um, okay, let's not get lost in the weeds here, but, but um, the, the primary edition, the primary edition that made it to popularity was actually written by a guy. The edition that most Jews have today, that's in the, all the different you know, Jewish swarm that collect these obscure sources, is written by a guy, written by a priest whose name I can't pronounce, Jan something something, you know, uh, what do you say, a, a priest who wrote it, what do you say? Yeah, no, something, a priest who wrote it down. That's the edition that made it. And I'll just, just so you understand that this is not just like a, a you know, a, something that's not important. Some cipher who, who, like we mentioned, you know, took uh, a great deal of work into these chastas and yod, tanesim, did, came across a cipher told the he did not own one. He found one in someone else's house. And he sat down to copy it in his own handwriting so that he could have it. So I imagine his time was valuable to some cipher. And he didn't uh, copy things that were Narishkeit. We have today, they sold actually in auction. We have today the first few pages. Most of it didn't survive. We have the first few pages. The Homsefer wrote Kopius Hagayis on it. He copied it down in Lashen Kaddish in his own handwriting. And he wrote Kopius Hagayis on it. Like long Hagayis with Aris and Gemaris and Chazals and Hadashtim. We have something that was printed, it was published a few years ago in a Sefer called. Version? From the priest? From the priest. And that's the version that we have on Sefer. We only have today, whatever, two, three pages of it. It was published in. There's a sefer called Yerusha Senu in Eretz Yisrael that puts out like these things. 
they published the Chassam Sefer's edition of Teldus Yesh Anetzri, whatever's left of it, the first few pages. But I'm just saying the Chassam Sefer carried it down in his, in his own hand. We have some of it in his own handwriting, Chassam Sefer writing it down. Now, okay, so let me, let, me, let me say over a little bit of it, and with that we'll get to the, to the, to the maybe the coolest reason for the fast of Tespetevis. So now, the, in the Hakdama to this version of Sefer Teldus Yeshu, it says as follows. Uh, it says as follows. It says, um, okay, this is a country that was given over It should only be transmitted in manuscript form. It should never be given over in printed form in a way that it could be very popular and it could get out to everybody. Which we're going to try not to be overrun. You cannot read it in a public setting. Not to read it publicly. Can't, uh, you know, people are going to find out it's going to be a bad thing. Okay, he says, And I'll since it's something that is passed down, you know, in this type of like uh, sneaky type of way, we don't exactly know who wrote it and where it comes from. The Pashas is it was written as a response to missionaries and, uh, and people who are trying to convince Jews to become Christians. And that's where Rebbe Echelim Zaka comes in that he's referring to. Um, fine, okay. And this is uh, the Sefer that exists. And... Uh, Okay, one should read this and then be able to make a bracha with kavan of Shalaya Sanigai. You'll read it and you'll understand that you should have pride in Shalaya Sanigai. And you'll accept Akadish Baruch who's, uh, you know, Akadish Baruch by saying Shmaiz Hashem Lekechad, Hashem Lekechad, Hashem Lekechad. And the Toiv Lizbol's man Katsubazer, Kedai Lizka is the Netzach and Tzachan Baba. It's Kedai to spend a little bit of time. Enduring the tales of Yashka's, of Yeshu's, of Yeshu's life, so that you should be zeichet to Elohim This is the Hakdam of the Zaver, and here's how it ends off. Yeshu minig And there are those who say the minig was, and this is Hakdam that's written in the 1700s. It's quite a while ago that the minig was to read this on nittel. So today is tonight is technically the a third nittel. It's it's test uh, peteves. We weren't Mekayim this on the first nittel or the second nittel, so we'll, we'll try to go through it today. Mekayim Minig of, of reading it on, on Lel Nittel. So let me just, I'll just, I'll tell you over the, it's long, it takes, it's a lot of pages, but I'll, I'll just, I printed it out for you myself here. I'll, I'll give a little bit of a, of like an abstract, an overview of what happens over here. So, it tells the story as follows. It says, Be may, I'm sorry, I'm sure I do it this way or not. Okay. The, let, let me just, before I do this, let me just, just say one more Nakuda. The, the dating of Yeshu in the Gemara is an area of great, a great mavucha because everything that was written about Yeshu in the Gemara was censored. It was all taken out and then later put back in or added in. So we don't really know like, uh, what's accurate. Who, who did Chazal tell us Yeshu was? We don't have a really good um, like Havan of that. So this, I just, I'll read you. There's a few Gemaras. They're all from the Chazal and They were all taken out, but they've all been added back in today. One of them is, is on Sanhedrin Daf... Uh, of Zion. It's most Gemaras don't put it actually back in the text. They put it like in Nagai Sitsunim on the side. I'll just read you because this is the primary Chazal, real Chazal in the Gemara that the Gemara describes Yeshua. The Gemara says as follows When Yanai HaMelech killed all the Chachamim, um, so Rabbi Shubim Prachya was one of the Chachamim. He ran away to Alexandria and Mitzrayim to escape the decree of all the Chachamim who were being killed. When everything was, came back to normal, when there was peace in Yerushalayim, and he was able to come back home, So Shimon ben Shetach, who was the one remaining Chacham who stayed in Yerushalayim, who was the brother-in-law of Yanai, he was able to stay, so he stays, he sends him a message, and he says, 
He sends a message from me in Yerushalayim to you in Alexandria. Um, come back. It's time to come back. Vice says, things are good. It's time to go back. So, on his way, he stopped into a, into a inn on the way on his travels up to Yerushalayim. So, they're making a great cover for them. So, uh, Yashav of Yishuv and Prachya, and he was being Mishtabeach in the innkeeper, who was a woman. He was saying, like, he said as follows, he says, Noach How nice, look how wonderful this, uh, this woman, this Achsanya, this innkeeper is that she's taking care of us. So Amrullah Yeshu, this is where Chazal referred to Yeshu, Amrullah Yeshu was one of Yishuv and Prachya's Tamidim who was sitting there. He tells his Rebbe, Rebbe, her eyes are a little bit round. You're saying she looks really good. Ah, she doesn't look that great. Her eyes are a little round, they're not the perfect shape. What do you say? Yeah. So, so Amr Lai, Rabbi Shuvim Prachir, responds to him, he says, Russia, Bekachata Isik? That's what you think I'm busy with? You think I'm describing her physical appearance? Are you going to tell me that, Rabbi, maybe you didn't pay attention, her eyes are not so, are not so beautiful? I'm talking about her, Bekachata Isik? So, Haitzi Arba Meis Shaifaris, he took out 400 Shaifaris, Vechrimu, and he put him in Cheru. Yeshu, for, for speaking about the physical characteristics of this woman, this Rabbi, in this type of crass manner, so it says, Every day, Yeshu would come back in front of his Rebbe. He wasn't asking to accept him back into the fold, to allow him back into the, to the Olam. Rebbe was reading Kriyashma. Yeshu came in front of him. And at this point, Rebbe Prachi felt that it was time, it was enough. He kept him in the cold enough, and it was time to, to bring him back in. But he was in the middle of Kriyashma. So Ramaz He held up his hand. Ein minut. So, Savar Yeshu Yeshu thought, that's it. Like, I tried so many times and he's pushing me again. He thought, I'm, I'm really on the outs. He's never going to let me back in. So, so, um, so, so uh, I'm sorry. So, Halach the Hamid Levana Yeshu stood up on Avadizara. He made a moon, a mus of the moon, and he began to be over it. He said, that's, I'm done. I'm out. I'm not waiting anymore for Rebbe to let me back in. I'm going to be over Avadizara. So then Rabbi Shubham Prachi feels bad. Amrlai Rabbi Shubham Prachi, Chazar B'cha, do tshuva, come back, come back, you can come back. It's not too late. Amrlai, so Yeshu tells him back, Kach mekublani b'mecha, I was mekabal from you a different time. Kol ha-chayte u-machti yasarabim, e'in maspikim b'yad e'lasis tshuva. Anyone who's chayti and drags other people down with him, he's machti yasarabim, he's not going to be b'yad e'lasis tshuva. Mela, I'm out, I'm done, I'm out of here. And that's it. And on this, the Gemara comments, the Gemara comments, and it says, L'oilam, a person shouldn't be madcha someone with beis yadayim. Don't push someone away in such a final manner that there's no way back. Kira b'shuv and prachi, like b'shuv and prachi did. Ella tehei yimin mekarev is small. Tehei small daichem yimin mekarev. Yeah, small daichem yimin mekarev. You you leave a way to get back. Now this is the primary gemara that describes Yeshu. Now the problem with this is that that the timing is very off. He took his Talmidim. They also say he took Talmidim. Yeshu was very charismatic. And when he went to make an Avedizara to Deen, yeah, he took Talmidim with him. The, we'll see until this Yeshu, if we ever actually get to read it, that, um, that he, he, brought, he had 400 Talmidim at Kufa. He had many Talmidim that he brought along with him. Now, the problem is that, that the Christian dating is we, we start the calendar from the, year, from the year zero, right? We're in 2022. Year zero is the year that Yeshu was born. And Yeshu dies at 33 years old. So according to that calculation, in 30, the year 33, Yeshu died. The Churban of the Beis HaMikdash happens in the year 72, which is about 40 years later. Now, according to this Chajim, Rabbi Shubham Prachia was four days before the Churban. 
Shuvim Prachi was at least 130 years before the dating that they're saying. Meaning it would have to be that Yeshu lived 130 years earlier than what is like the conventional time that they're saying. Which is not a problem because many Rishonim, the Tashbits and the Ramban and others, the Evan Ezra all say, they have Ada, Yeshu lived with the Rishuvim Prachi, lived 130 years before the Chorban. But they wanted to imply, the Christians wanted to imply that the reason the Chorban happened was because the Jews didn't accept Yeshu, didn't accept the Mashiach of Yeshu, and therefore the Chorban happened for them. So they wanted very much to push him as close as they can to the Tkufa of the Chorban. So they, they just, you know, moved the dates. Dates were not so set in stone. They moved the dates a little bit. Now, there, so, so that's what many Rishonim hold. There are Rishonim who say that there's a different Gemara. There's a Gemara that talks about, um, about Miriam, and the Gemara says, a person shouldn't be like, oh, I forgot his name there, one second. A person shouldn't be like, um, hang on, Papas Ben Yehuda, that's the name. The Gemara says, the Gemara in Gittin says, a person shouldn't be like Papas Ben Yehuda, because Papas Ben Yehuda, when he would go out to market, he would lock his wife in the house so that she shouldn't socialize and talk to anybody. He was very careful, he was watching, he would lock his wife in the house. The Gemara says, a person shouldn't be like that, because when you create too many restrictions, you end up making, creating rebellion, and what's the story of Papas Ben Yehuda? That his wife Miriam was locked in the house when he went to market and she called out to this guy, to Yosef, from the street and they ran away together. He helped her climb down. They ran away together and they had a baby. A whole other version. And that's another version that some Rishonim say is where the baby Yeshu comes from. And that version, the timing works better. It's a little closer to, to, the, to the Tkufa of like, you know, of the year zero to 33 and whatever. So these are two versions from, from the Gemara, and then Grace Machlekes Rishayim, which one is the primary version of, of which Yeshu is. Now, with that in mind, the the Toldus Yeshu that we have, the version, most of the version that we have, say that it's the time of Hilni Hamalka, which is closer to the to the Chorban, meaning from the last kings of the Chorban, which is not doesn't stem with the Gemara in Sanhedrin just right away off the bat. It doesn't stem, and this is from Sefer's first Tagal that he makes in it, is that it doesn't stem with the Gemara in Sanhedrin, which is the traditional Gemara that we believe is describing who Yeshua was, but this is going at a later date. So it says there was a Yeshua who lived in the time of Hilni Amalka, and uh, he, he was the whole story with Yosef and Miriam, it brings to it, and then it says he was, he was a mamzer, right, because he was born of this union between Yosef the guy and Miriam the Jewish woman, and his Rebbeim, Rebbe Akiva and Rebbe Tarfin, would used to, like, his midas were like a mamzer. He was like an arrogant guy, he didn't shtaltzu, he wasn't doing the right thing, and they commented about him that he's a mamzer, it says he waited until he went into the Beis HaMikdash and he learned to the Shema Mepharish. It says there was a place in the Beis HaMikdash where one could learn the Shema Mepharish, but as soon as, you'd remember, as soon as you'd leave, you'd forget it. And he learned a certain Keshav that would allow him to not be afraid when he leaves, and he learned the Shema Mepharish, and he went out and he had the Shema Mepharish. And with the Shema Mepharish, he began to perform miracles. He turned water into wine, and he walked on water, and you know, all the miracles that they that the Christians say that Yeshu committed are the same in the Tullus Yeshu, more or less. And he committed these miracles, and he would slowly, he was being Ma'asif, a kahila of followers around him who were very impressed with his, with his miracles. So, Ma'asul Chachamim, they took, they, they put up a specific Chacham to it to go learn the Shemim Farish as well, so that he'll be able to battle with him on his own terms. And they put up, I think his name was Shimon, I believe, or... I don't have to find everything in here, but they, they put up another Chacham to learn the Shem of Farish, who went and learned the Shem of Farish, and goes and, and he does battle, Kilo, with Yeshu, and he makes Yeshu lose his powers. And when Yeshu loses his powers, they hold him in front of the queen, and they say, This guy is doing Kishif, Kaidua, the halacha is, Machashif has to die, and uh, she's not <coughs> impressed with the Rabbanim at all, and she says, Nah, 
he's doing amazing things, he's healing the sick, he's, he's giving money to the poor, he's a wonderful guy, and he's able to slip out and he goes to Mitzrayim. In Mitzrayim, he learns Kishif from a not holy, from a not holy source. He learns another version of Kishif that he could work with. That's from a not holy source. And he um, comes back to Yerushalayim two years later in an opportune moment, and he begins doing Mavsim again. And uh, again, the Chacham are very upset by his Mavsim, and they, they protest, they go to the king again, and again, they have to use a certain Tachpula, they, they pour Meiraglayim on him, it says, and that's the way to strip him of his powers of doing Mavsim. And this time, the, the powers that be are impressed that he's a rebel, He's rebel-rousing and he's, uh, he's creating a problem and they sentence him to death. Okay, now, rather, the Christian church today believes that the Jews didn't kill Yeshu, that it was the Romans who killed Yeshu. In Taldus Yeshu, it says the Jews killed Yeshu. So there's like different versions. In Taldus Yeshu, it says that we killed him. The Arab Pesach, they took him out of the Talu. And now how they hung him, why was he hung in that manner? That's not the way, if you look in the Gwaran Sanhedrin, that's not the manner that someone is hung in. And the reason is because Yeshu, in one of his final acts of, of, of Kishif power, he was mashbia all trees, not to let them hang him on him. And no tree would accept him. Every time they hung him, he fell down. So they had to take a strong cabbage stalk, a crove, a cabbage stalk that was strong enough to hold the weight of his body, but wasn't tall enough to hang him off it from the top. And they had to hang him in this creative manner in order to make him to be able to kill him and, and, and thing. Was, I'm, just, I'm just saying over... Everything that it says here, even though these, you know, these are all things that are shver from Gemaras and Chazals and Luchsen Seifer. It's not a real Mises Bezdin. There was, Bezdin wasn't killing people at that point anymore. 80 years before the Chorban, Bezdin stopped killing people. So it was like an extra, it was like a Hira Shah. Like this guy's mom had a whack, it was a Hira Shah. It wasn't a regular Mises Bezdin. So, and it continues and it talks about the story of, of so Kaidua, the, the Christians say that Yeshu left his grave. He was rebirthed. Five days later, he was reborn. And that's Easter, they have the whole holiday, they celebrate. Now, in here also it says that there were some Jews who were afraid that they were going to make his body into a shrine, into a relic, into like a heilige thing to worship. So in order to prevent that, there was a Jew who went and stole it out of the grave and hid it somewhere else, he buried it somewhere else. Now came along his Talmidim Taka three days later and they went to the grave to dig it up and he's not there and they said, oh my God, he's Mashiach, he's Taka Ben Alekim, he's Taka God, look, he's not here. And they started making a huge thing out of it and the Chachamim were tainus because this, they didn't know what to do, until one of the Chachamim met the person who had dug him up, and he said, oh, please, he's right here. I have him in my, in my backyard. And they dug him up a second time, and they dragged him, paraded him through the streets of Yerushalayim dead to show him that he wasn't alive, to which they said it wasn't really him, and back and forth, and the, the, it ends off that fights were raging amongst the supporters of Yeshua who said that, yeah, we're Jewish and we believe in Yeshua, but look at this, the guy had Tchis HaMesim, literally... Three at them saying, within three days, he had Tchis HaMesim. You know anybody else that that happens to? And the others were saying, no, he was just a, he was just a Mechara from a Gadda, from a Chashif. What did he say? Christian. What does it mean to be a Christian? They were all Jews. They were all Jews. I'm saying, they were, what did he say? Yeah, they, they were no Christians. They were all Jews. They were, you know, Shimon and Yitzchak said this way, and Yosef and Matasio said something else. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they were, they were all Jews. Yeah, so at a later time, no, so, here, so that's what I want to get. So one second. One second, one second. So let me just get to have this has to do with Tespitavis. One second. So it ends off like this, on this note, that there's a huge battle going on between the, the supporters and the antis. Fine. So there was this Grace of Tamil Chachum. His name was Shimon. Shimon Pakula, Shimon Hapakuda. There's different versions of it. Who lived in Yerushalayim. Who seemed to have been somewhere in the middle. Everybody was trying to gain his support. The early Christians were trying to gain his support and the regular people were trying to gain his support. And his opinion seemed to matter. He was a Grace of Tamil Chachum. A Grace of Chaykir. 
And it was getting out of hand, the fighting. And it says in here, until the issue, that the Chachamim went to him and they asked him, do us a teva. Pretend you're on the side of the new Christians. Go along with them and just separate them. Give them new rules to follow so that they don't think they're the Jews and they have to change all of us. So it says, Shimon went and he committed himself to this uh, new ideology and he went with them and he's the one who changed that Shabbos should be Sunday and that Christians don't need a bris milah and that kashras is not important. There's many, many rules. And this is Takatru, they believe that too, that Peter, St. Peter, the first Pope, established for Christians that Christians don't have to have all the same rules as Jews. The new Jew doesn't need to have the same new rules as the, as the old Jew. Now it says the Toldesheshu that this Peter was Shimon, who the Chachamim convinced to go, who in his heart always stayed as being a from Jew, but was just sent on this mission, this you know, secret mission to, to blow them off track. Ad kach, that there are many sources that say that Shimon, who became the Pope in Rome, would sit in his room when no one was around him, he'd write piyutim, and he would mail them back to Yerushalayim for the, for the Jews to use. That there are those who say the Tvil of Nishmas that we have, that we say in Davening is from Shimon, St. Peter, the first Pope of Christianity. There are those who say that the Nusach that we say in Yom Kippur, the Avaid in the Beis HaMikdash, Amitz Kayach, comes from Shimon. He's the one who organized it. So I don't know which one, you know, what's true, what's not true, but meaning there's a great legend that certain very, very important Tvilas that Christ will still say today come from the Tvilas that he was Misakin. And the day that he died was Testeves. The day that Shimon, St. Peter, dies is Testeves. And to celebrate the yard site of Shimon, who's not going to have anybody saying Kaddish for him because he's a Christian and didn't leave over anything in our world, is Testeves. And because of that, Chazal, out of a great, that great gratitude to Shimon for doing this, for Klai Yisrael, were Kaveya his yard site to be a Tainus for everybody. And Leinoida Taimoy is not Leinoida, but we're not able to tell you the reason because if we tell you the reason, Enough La Simon, everybody knows what happened. And uh, that's how Sefer told us Yeshu ties into this Tainus of Tespatavis that's tomorrow. I think with this we'll leave Nittal alone. We'll move on to something different. <laughs> it's, all, it's all in Tel Yeshu.